Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. All right. Glad you guys could all be here today with us. You took the time, the break in your hectic days. I know I, for one, have been overwhelmed with all the stuff I have to do. Totally. Me too. Um, Our topic today is play. What is it? How do you do it? How can it help? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like play in your writing, you know, like uh, I'm getting overwhelmed with all the have tos and shoulds and in terms of my writing and uh, I just need to remember to play because isn't this supposed to be fun? Oh, oh, right. That's right. right. <laughs> Guys, we're writers. It's supposed to be fun. fun. So we're going to talk about that today, how to remember to have fun in your writing, because I do, I do think it, um, I almost said it do, I does think, uh, I do think <laughs> <laughs> that uh, play makes your writing better, hundred percent, hundred percent. So I just yeah. wanna, we just wanna talk to you guys about that today. But first, let's get to our adventures in screenwriting, or AKA, how was your week, Lorian? Uh, it was, uh, it's been up and down as usual. All my weeks feel like every week I start out with like such good and clear intentions about what I'm gonna accomplish, and then you know life, and then you meet obstacles. Yes, and then I meet obstacles, and then my choices around what to do with those obstacles expose my character. So tell us who you are. Uh, well, let's see. I had a general this week. Uh, those are always fun. I put lipstick on for those. Nice. Uh, uh, and then uh, I got notes from a project for my manager, um, and then uh, I came up with a new idea, which is always what I do when I have a lot to do. Um, and I think big picture this week, I'm wrangling a lot with my process. Mm. You know. Um, Uh, Instead of knowing who I am, I sort of am trying to do what I think I'm supposed to do, right? Right. You know, you hear, you know, you have to have lots of projects on your docket. And, um, you know, all last week I tried the two hours on this, two hours on this, two hours on this. And it felt really uh, chaotic to me. My brain wasn't able to jump from project to project. I got overwhelmed and then I froze. Right. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, I can't do anything. So I'm a binge writer. Good to know. I sit down and will, if I have the space to do it, I will just sit down and write for six hours and come up with something and vomit it out. Like I did this as a playwright. I I did this with my feature. Like and and for some reason I've decided that that's not how I'm supposed to write, and so I've been fighting it. That where there's that word supposed to exactly. So I like to work on one thing and get it to a place where maybe I can give it to someone for notes or read, and then I can move on to another thing. And I have to just embrace that that's how I work. I'm not gonna be someone who's working on multiple scripts at the same time. I mean, big picture I am, but in order to get it out, in order to get that vomit draft out, I really have to be able to just sit down and write it and and stop fighting that, right? Instead of listening to you know, everybody has their own process, and I think it's really important to figure out what yours is and honor it, but also, you know, being available for change and evolving and growing as 
you know, you know, I also have a project in development, so that's going to require some time, and I have to be able to bounce back and forth between it and my own project. But right now, what I need to do is like sit down and write the script I have. Yeah, and no, that's, that's what I have to do. And but it's really hard because you really do hear this is what you're supposed to do, or here's a good idea, or you hear a story about someone really successful and how they write. And you're like, I want to write like them. And so you try that process on. And sometimes it works and sometimes Often it doesn't. Often it doesn't, though. Often right. it's so personal. You know, yeah. just how your creativity flows and yeah. moves. And um, my week has been, I'm moving from cards and outline to script. And what I normally like to do, as you all know, is just now vomit draft it. Like, don't worry about the cards. Don't worry about it. It's all in there. Just now vomit draft it and find out. But because I'm working with a director, it's a little harder because, you know, I need to show him when things aren't working, right? Like, so in, mm -hmm. because there's an expectation now when you're actually working with another person, be that a co-writer or a director or um, a producer, they think, okay, this is what I'm going to get, these cards. But then you get in there and you're like, okay, well, that's three cards, but it's actually 15 pages so of course it can't we can't do that or right. oh my god it looks like the narrative is starting but nothing's happening this is 15 pages of shoe leather nothing has started um so i'm i literally wrote i think six versions of the opening because wow. i couldn't find how to get it started so that it felt like the narrative was starting and i wrote it as it was carded so that the director could see okay here it is and then I gave him, of those six, I think I gave him three. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't tell him which one I liked. And he picked the one that I liked. Now here's the irony. I'm like, great, now I have the opening. <laughs> and then I wrote act one and I was like, okay, yeah, no, that opening doesn't work. <laughs> you know, like it just keeps going. Like it just keeps right. going as you move the pieces around. Um, and all the work in the carding and the treatment and all those months is in there it all but it's now the execution of it is a whole other thing it's just yes. a whole other thing so it's me kind of being okay with that um emotionally again if it was just a vomit draft it would be fun and i could play more but because i'm in this process it's a bit harder and mm -hmm. i i was i was in one of those moments where i was like oh god this does not work i do not know what to do because it's too much and not enough right this 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 place that you can always get where you've got too many great ideas or too many pieces and yet none of it is fitting together to equal one thing so it's not enough and yet it's too mm -hmm. much and I just felt like I don't know the answer and I need to know the answer and my son walked in who's 17 and he was like um oh my god mom okay listen to this listen to this and it's this orchestra playing and he's like okay where is this orchestra being played London Spain Germany or France and I was like what and he was like where is it being played and I'm like how the hell would I know where it's being played like what are you talking about and suddenly all my frustration and fear mm -hmm. and anxiety about not having the answer for my script just zeroed like a laser at my kid because I was like how could I ever possibly know the answer to where a symphony is being played? That's impossible. And he's like, just do it. And I was like, no. And then I literally lost my mind. I literally was like, you're coming in here and I'm doing work. And he his eyes got really big. And I was like, I don't know the answer. And he was like, mom, it's supposed to be fun. And I was like, well, it's not fun because I don't know the answer. And he was like, it was a trick. It's not being played. 
play anywhere. It's a computer. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is number one. That's it's a trick. A, it's a trap. It's, it's all a, tra a trap. It's all a trap. And it's so a 17-year-old's like idea that, I don't know. That like, would be fun. That it would be fun <laughs> to trick his mother. Anyways, and yeah. so of course later I went and apologized because I do remember my training from when my kids went to preschool that when you lose your mind, yes. as long as you go and apologize or tell them what was really going on and you repair you're fine. So I went yes. and I repaired and he was cool. But it was kind of like this great metaphor for I got so locked into having to know the answer and I couldn't play with him. Like he wanted me to play. He wanted mm -hmm. me to just roll with it and have fun and I literally <laughs> could right. not. And I burn it all down instead. That's what I did. Right. Um, so that was that my week. That sense of urgency and panic around solving it is so scary. I posted about it on the Facebook group. Like, it can debilitate me sometimes. Like, I'm supposed to know. Why don't I know? Like, this has to get finished right now. Like, that that urgency that, and I think part of it is, is this need to be productive. Right. And so much of the work that we do behind the scenes before the script is finished feels unproductive. Right? Yes. Like, all the, you know, we're going to talk about all the ways to play, all the drafts, all the cards. It feels like at the end of the day, I don't have a story I can completely tell you. I don't have a script, right? And it feels like it should be easier to get there. I right? know. It, right? Why do we think that? I don't know. Why do we think that? Because no writer I've ever met no. has said that that's the way it works. Nobody. No. Like, not no. even the quote-unquote geniuses, right? Like, Aaron Sorkin talks about laying on his couch watching ESPN for six months, and that's his process. <laughs> like, right. no, nobody just, like, vomits it out and, ta-da, in three days, here's the right. thing. And it just, it's, just, it's just like having to get comfortable with quote-unquote waste, Yes. But it's not waste. It's literally, it's, it's you're not. Building. Some, you're building. but it's really tricky. It's tricky, yes. people. Um, yes. All right, well, those, that's our week. And um, so, Jeff. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, Jeff, time for you to talk about the show. show. Well, thank you, Megan Lorraine, for recapping your week. It's always one of my favorite parts of the show. And uh, Another favorite part of our show is, of course, our audience. We love you guys so much. We would not be doing this show if it weren't for you. In fact, you're the whole reason we do the show. So thank you so much for being listeners. Thanks to those who joined our Facebook group and continue to join our Facebook group. I feel like that's an essential part of the experience of listening to this show. So, uh, And I also want to say a personal thank you. Some of you guys turned up for my table read that I held on Sunday, which really means a lot. Yay. And How'd it go? How'd it go? You know, it went overall, it went very well. I appreciate you asking. It was terrifying, but I've gotten some really great feedback, which is nice. And, um, you know, I've kind of doing it in partnership with my university and I have a call with them next week about possibly teaching a little thing, like a little class next. I should not minimize it. I should make it. I was going to say, it's yes. not a little yeah. thing. Teaching yes. a class is a big deal. It's a big deal. Yes. Because um, the, uh, the dean of the theater department and the dean of the comm school really like the the feature. So I think I'm going to kind of map it out like it's going to be like a pre-pro production and post-pro course because I'm going to edit, probably edit it too. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my God. Um, that's really Because you cool. have so much time. <laughs> I know with all that time I have. So that's the other thing I'm going to have to figure out. But um, long story short, it's a lot of you guys showing up was a huge part of the success and I got some really nice feedback from you guys. But more importantly, I want to talk about um, the nice words you said about this show. Um, the reviews really do give us so much energy and fuel to do everything we can to make this show as great as we can. So we thank you so much for your beautifully written reviews. This, one's come, this one comes from Mariana Bowring, 
who says, um, opening up my, this is from July. So it's a bit of a throwback, but it's a beautiful review. Opening up my podcast app after a long week and the new episode starts to download and I see that it's entitled, Don't Give Up my heart. This podcast always has exactly what I need to hear, not only as a screenwriter, but as a person just trying to make it through life. Having been tuning in weekly since it began, and I'm just so grateful that these two amazing, talented women sit down each week and pour out their screenwriting souls and hearts. Thank you, Meg and Lorian. Oh, thank you. I'm going to read you. one more quickie. This comes from Jason Daniel. I love this show so much. I just discovered this podcast, and I'm so happy I did. The screenwriting advice and the screenwriting life advice resonate resonate with me more than any other writing podcast I've listened to. Please keep making this show forever. forever. We will. And ever and ever. <laughs> yes. Thank you. That was so nice. That was nice. That was, it's always good to hear. And I literally like talking to you guys on the Facebook page. I know we have more listeners than we have on the Facebook page. So come over you guys because we're talking to you and answering questions. But also I just love hearing how the show is helping because it, you know, then it helps us know what, you know, what direction to go with the show. So um, <clears throat> come over, have a chat with us. Um, okay, our topic for the day is play, inspired by my inability to do it <laughs> this week. I literally was like, okay, Lauren, we have to talk about play because I can't do it. And I need to do it in order to write well. You know, like the writing needs to be playful and fun. And again, I'm not talking about tone now. I'm talking, you know, something scary mm -hmm. is still fun in its own way, right? It's, yes. Uh, something, yeah. you know, even dark and depressing there's an entertainment kind of like a uh, sense of adventure to it or a sense of discovery to it so that to me has to come out of a different part of your brain than that kind of analytical have to you know I was like okay so what is not play is not those voices that can overwhelm like we talked about in our last podcast um, mm -hmm. they're not have to's play is not should play is not judging or judges it's not presentation it's not about getting recognition or um, acknowledgement. It's not about the end product. It's not about the analysis. Um, you know, it's it's not about getting. It's the opposite of getting locked down. Um, it's not procrastinating. <laughs> what? How mm -hmm. dare you? I'm sorry. It's not. It's not <laughs> building, evolving, which are all good words. Like some of these words are positive to build, to evolve, to construct. You know, but that's not. That's not play. Right. Mm -hmm. um, those are other places in your brain or times that you're going to work on your script. Um, so it's not to judge those other things. You do need to have to have analysis, of course. But mm -hmm. what we're talking about today is, you know, maybe why you started to write. It was funny. I was I was taking a walk and I was thinking, well, mo do most people start to write because it's playful and fun? And then I was like, well, maybe not. You know, some people probably start to write because they have something to say or they want the world to know how they see things or, you know, so I, I could never guess or, or say that everybody starts to write because it's, it was, it's fun, but at some point it was fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I started to write because I wanted to reshape my world, right? Yeah. Even, you know, when I was a kid, I was that one who was walking home from school by herself, talking to herself, mm. telling myself fantasies about how the rest of the day is going to go or, you know, having those arguments, but winning, but out loud as I was walking, yeah. you know, like, um, so yeah, I had a lot of friends in grammar school, obviously. Yeah. And it's funny because <laughs> I was like, well, one that, okay, I, my very first story I wrote was in kindergarten and it's literally like six lines long and the letters are like, you know, two inches right. and slanting. And it's about, um, Meg gets on a plane to go on a trip. She sits in the chair 
and there's a hole, and she falls in and disappears. The end. Oh and I was oh like, God. I was like, oh my God, nobody took me to therapy. I mean, if that is not a child saying that they're dissociating, I do not know what else that she could possibly do to tell you she's dissociating and has left the building. But um, so I don't know that I actually wrote to play at first. I think I wrote to express uh, an unconscious interior mm -hmm. that I needed to express. But I also have had a lot of fun writing. It's why I write, because I love those moments when the characters take over and I don't know where it's going. Mm -hmm. That's why I write. Like, otherwise, it would be freaking torture. Like, I like when it takes over and is its own thing, and I'm watching it and recording it. Um, but it's hard to get there sometimes through all the inability. That's, that's playing to me. That's getting in the river mm -hmm. and letting it be and, and play and... Um, I did look up, you know, like they say that you should, you know, forget about just the writing. You should have play in your life like you have sleep, they said. Like we as human beings need to play like we need to sleep and eat. And that if you don't um, have that as an essential need every day, like not just on vacation, but like in your life, incorporated into your life, you know, they said you can get cranky, rigid, feel stuck, and feel victimized by your life. Those are symptoms of you don't have enough play in your life. And I was like, ding, ding, oh, no. ding. When you, when you said that we should have play in our life, it made me feel so sad because right now we're at, I mean, I'm at home. I mean, I'm right. lucky. I'm safe. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm at home. But finding play is so hard because for me, it's about going out with my friends or having my friends be with my friends. Like that's play for me, talking, laughing, you know. Yeah, COVID's um, made it really hard, right, to, yes. you know, like go to a concert with your friends or yes. to have that in your life. And I think, and you know, and then we have this election coming and, and that's stressing people out. And I think we still, though, have to really, especially if, if you only do it for your writing, like if you can't do it for yourself, you, we still need to get our, into our bodies and have some play and have some fun However, you can do that. We can talk at the end yeah. about how to do that outside of writing, yeah. um, because I do think it really does help your writing. Um, so, Lauren, how would you say, especially coming from theater, you probably have much more experience with it than I do. Um, how 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 would you say that you can incorporate play into your writing? Um, I mean, my what I do when I write is I talk all my characters out loud to see what dialogue feels most fun. Um, and then sometimes I get up and I, <laughs> and I act them out, right? Because I can't just sit at my desk all the time. Um, as a playwright, we spent like I learned how to play in my writing when I went to um, when I went to school for playwriting. Up till yeah. that point, all of my stuff was very like deep inner turmoil, like psychological investigation of my own pain, right? But I didn't really learn how to uh, build characters that weren't me you know, that we're living a different sort of situation. Um, and one of the exercises that I love to do is spending time in the location um, before you put your characters in there. Like, mm. what is the light like? What, like walking around in the space, what is, you know, what time of day is it? Uh, who, and then you start to populate it. Who works there? Who comes there? Um, or who plays there, you know, really exploring that space and then eventually putting your characters in. So you can really feel like, you can feel like what it is to be in that space. Mm. So as your characters come in it and be in it, um, that always felt very like, I know my space. Like if you're in a restaurant 
I like to go into the kitchen to see who's working there, even if it's not in the scene. Like, who's in there? What kind of place is this? Mm. Is it dirty? Is it clean? It, it makes me feel like I can inhabit the world, mm. and that feels like play to me because I'm, I'm getting out of my office, you know, which yeah. kind of feel like a very restrictive kind of sad place right now because it feels a little bit like punishment, honestly, <laughs> to come down here, and, and I'm lucky I have a space to write, but... Um, so that's how I can get into the space of the world where I really dig around, you know, what's in a drawer, what what are they hiding, you know, sort of that that's thing. Fun. That's fun. Spend time fun. in the location. And of course, anything we say, people, that makes you feel anxious, then don't do it. Like, yeah, if, don't if, do it. Then, you this know, is... it, if it makes you feel like a little bit excited and that sounds like yeah. fun, that could help your brain jag out of, out of the is, shoulds. This is what helps me think about it rather than in that proscenium box of a TV show. I make right. it a full three-dimensional place that's not just, you know, because in when you're building a play, usually it's just like, you know, you've got a background and then right, like a right. light, right? So you really do, in your imagination, have to build a full world of it. Um, so that's one of the things that I learned as a playwright that I, that I forget all the time and right. then have to go back into like, right, where am I? Um, you know, and you can always discover secrets in the closet and you know what are they hiding um so that that to me feels like play as i'm writing what it looks like is me sitting and staring at the wall (laughs) it's like like sorkin uh staring at espn yeah or i do it when i'm walking and i'll talk to myself a little bit um i used to spend a lot of time playing in my head with my characters and my scenes when i was driving to and from places and I don't do that very much anymore. So I've mm. decided I need to get in my car and drive somewhere. And Meg, you had a great suggestion when I admitted this to you the other day, which is record record yourself talking through things, which I think. But then yeah. I have to listen to it, which is like its own kind of <laughs> pain. But <laughs> Yeah, I used to work for Martha Luttrell, who was an agent and when I first came to Hollywood. And she represented Sam Shepard, the great playwright, um, who was mm-hmm. also an actor and a writer for film. And he used to get in his truck with his dog and drive across the country because he did not fly. So if he needed to come from the East Coast where he lived to Hollywood for meetings, he drove. And he um, and he spoke the whole time into a tape recorder, and that's how he often dug up or wrote um, his plays. Um, because he also needed the, you know, the, you know that wonderful st- trance state you can get into while you're driving. And I think a lot of times story sometimes maybe comes out your mouth better than if you're in a certain mood talking it out um i tend to be a person who likes to type it out i like that i like to watch it uh and just record it but i can totally see also how talking it out for a lot of people just mixes it up and lets the play come into it um you know i do think doing um you know letting doing the vomit draft just in, or do an exercise of letting scenes write scenes that you know aren't going to be in there which is what i'm really struggling with right now because i feel the pressure of the time but i actually need to i just keep pushing in and saying okay i don't even know if this is going to be in here i know she's not going to talk about this because this is like 20 lines and she did not not going to have a chance to say all this but you know what i have to write out these 20 lines because i just need to play and let her talk to me and let it play and discover who the characters are because they're having this incredibly long 10-page conversation. <laughs> but right. I, you, it's the playfulness of letting them play with me and letting them as characters talk back to me and surprise me. Um, I do, you know, I think letting your character write to you when they're 100 
is always fun because they know things and that you don't know and let them do that. I thought Aaron Sorkin's advice to create great villains, write um, what they would say at the pearly gates when they get to heaven and why God should let them in. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a great, like, mix it up, playful way to uncover your character? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people do vision boards, which I think is great because it's a different part of your p- brain. And so maybe you'll be able to play more that way because, you know, that part of your brain isn't usually um, allowed in. But now it's collecting images and collaging that can be on the computer or actually collaging. So, and, you know, often when you're doing a pitch, you're doing image boards so it is actually also a tool that can be used right like here's the Mm -hmm. location here's the feeling here's the tone of it you know here's what the character kind of looks like Um, and suddenly you put two images together of two characters and you can see the show in a new way like I had to do a whole presentation once for a a pitch and uh, it really helped me a lot it really helped me a lot understand the show better Mm -hmm. um Another exercise that I do sometimes for playfulness is clustering. Have you ever heard of clustering? So you just take Mm -hmm. a blank piece of paper and you write your character's name in the center and then circle it. And then any word that comes into your mind when you think of, let's say, okay, my character's name is Jane. Okay, Jane, silly, funny, goofy. And you just write the word and circle it and then line, circle it until, so you create like a little chain, Mm -hmm. bubble chain coming off of that big center bubble until it kind of peters out, you know, and then you go back and you say, Jane, shut down, grumpy, blah, blah, blah. And then now do that. So if you fill the whole paper with just words that your brain is throwing out when it thinks of Jane, and then go and like maybe put her um, title in there or her role, so mom. So Hmm. Jane is a mother, now you do mom. And let that, now, okay, mom. Um, shut down, blah, blah, whatever. <laughs> Matt doesn't want to play. Exhausted. <laughs> anxious. Anxious. Never does it right. Whatever. Um, and just let that come out. And you can start to see, you know, oh, Jane as a person is this, but as a mother, she's this. So, again, it's a playful right brain, not left brain way to, to dig it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think improv is a wonderful way to learn to play. Um, boy, you're – you really – when you do improv yeah it's fun but you can feel very vulnerable and like you're out there skating right yeah. uh, on an edge but that's it's so playful and it's so accepting yeah. because there's no judgment um and I, so I learned a lot from doing improv and working with an actor like I highly suggested if you guys don't feel like you have enough play you, there's online improv classes happening now I know because my friend is teaches teaches one um so that's another. And I was going to say quickly with improv too. You mentioned that there's online classes. What's really cool is I know it's hard to view this pandemic as having positives, but I think it's healthy for us to look at how sometimes hurdles can create opportunities. Right now, you can attend really prestigious improv schools online from whatever part of the country you're in. Yeah. So, I, for example, when I first moved out here. Um, trained with the Upright Citizens Brigade, which is Amy Poehler's improv school. It's pretty reputable. And, you know, you can live in Kansas and still take classes at UCB Los Angeles right now because of the shift in the program. So that's something I'd encourage. I think it's an actual cool opportunity for you rather than something that would hold you back. That's great. That is such a good perspective. And what play can do is 
um, what play can do, sorry, my 17-year-old is bouncing up the stairs as we speak. Um, <laughs> what play can do is let you see the world in more positive ways, right? Because we can get inundated with the negative and what isn't right. And But play reminds you how beautiful the world is and that um, you have some power in the world, which is even just how you see it. Like, it's so great to see the world as now there's an opportunity. You can take all these classes mm-hmm. long distance. So I think that's amazing. Um, I have a fun exercise that you can do um, however you want, but I sometimes think about like, what's the worst thing that could happen to my character that's like maybe outside the genre? Like if I'm writing a drama and then I'd be like, well, what would they do if a zombie bit them? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or like, what would they do if like an alien landed and found your character and was like, take me to your leader? What would your character do? Right? And just like the worst, like throw the worst possible crazy things at them. Like what would they do if everyone they knew disappeared or their family was killed or they lost a limb like what it really you know you can find really cool things in like that's outside the genre that's outside your story but I think there's a lot of discovery there that can lead you to something in creating some high stakes plot character driven thing that's really fun and then you can do other things too that seem like good to you like what would they do if they won the lottery which can lead to scary bad things too right? right do they are they secretive about it i i always think that that's a fun exercise and you can do that writing or you can talk it out with a friend for me right. that is play for me like if i can get together with a fellow writer and talk things out what if this what if that which is improv in a way but because yeah. your friend is going to be like yes and this next you know they can build on it and probably isn't going to shut you down if you're like i just need to brainstorm i just need to figure out who this character is or like what is this world and what yeah, is the and, you genre know, even that's a really good made me think Lorian like if you have a writers group that's reading you know you read each other's work don't just get stuck in only giving notes right mm-hmm. because you need to do that and that's the analysis part and I'm not saying don't do that and remember guys record it um, but really try to get to the playful part of it too where you let people in that group just start improving and spitballing anything, crazy things about your script because boy, you can get some really great insights. Now, whether you actually do that specific thing or yeah. not, the insight into how their brain went towards the story, I, I think it's often better than the notes because it's so illuminating. And sometimes you can get also friggin' great ideas, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, to me, the notes part is rather torturous, but the spitball fun part, like I'll never forget in The Good Dinosaur when, you know, I think it was Andrew Stanton up galloping around as a, as a, uh, as a T-Rex. Uh, you know, it was fun. Like it was just, it, it was really about enjoyment and making each other laugh and being like, oh my God, that's a good idea. And then she could do this and she could do that. And again, and don't yeah. shut it down because it doesn't matter. It's just playing. They're just playing. And out of that play, you get a lot of energy back towards your project. So really try to, you know, get that too, you know, uh, into your life. And I, I would think now with COVID, there's people online forming groups mm-hmm. and Zoom groups. Like we're doing it on Zoom. It doesn't matter. That play, yeah. can, it's, it's, it's more fun in person, of course, but you can do it uh, through Zoom as well. The, I would caution you though, when you, when you get notes or when you're letting other people play and it's fun, the, the play suggestions can feel like notes. It can feel like what you have isn't good enough. Mm. Do this. 
right? Because I'm always like, somehow everything is a critique, everything is a criticism. <laughs> so for me, separating that in my brain, like, oh, we're just now having fun, right? Shifting over to like, it's not saying that what you have doesn't necessarily not, you know, not work, but you can consider other things, you know, like that. Yeah, I mean, you have separation. You, and, I, you know, I would highly recommend um, everybody listening develop that muscle because it is in the play that mm -hmm. some of the best ideas come because they're seeing it from a different angle, like literally mm -hmm. from 30,000 feet different place. So um, you can really get a perspective on your work that you cannot get with your nose down alone. Um, but yes, don't take it personally because now they're playing and they're grabbing paint and painting their own picture. Yeah. Um, the paint might be inspired by what you did, but now they're grabbing it and painting it. And, you know, as a professional, if you ever want to do these rooms that studios do now or um, work in a larger company, this play moment or work in TV in a room, there, this is what's happening. People are just starting to throw and play. And when it's fun is when you get the best stuff, I think. I mean, not, mm -hmm. you know, of course, all mm -hmm. the, you know, sweat and tears also get great stuff, but uh, let's have fun while we're doing it. <laughs> I mean, because remember that um, in terms of that, I also wanted to point out, you know, play is about engagement, right? It's about connecting and engaging and should be pleasurable. And there are it's about making mistakes. I mean, in, in play, there are mistakes, quote unquote, because there is no such thing, right? It is literally just right. a, a, a concept, a thing that's throwing around. There's no mistakes. And yet your brain is gonna be like, oh, that can't be right. It's like, well, there is no, there's no dumb idea when you're playing, right? right. It is the opposite of perfection. Right, right. And uh, when I was listening, I was listening once to Andrew Stanton talk, and he was talking about this and how important it is. And he described it as a guitar strum that you have to just think of it like you're, you picked up a guitar and you're just strumming chords. And those chords are just a scene that came out, like literally as you're going from, like what I'm doing right now, going from cards to script, and suddenly I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna guitar strum this because this isn't working, so what other crazy thing could happen? And then I just write the scene, right? So you have to allow that flow because what I think is so important about this and why I wanted to make it a topic is because it's emotional. Mm -hmm. It's not intellectual. It is emotional work. And you need that in your script more than anything else, in my opinion, is that emotional currency. And that's going to come in through the playfulness of it. Yes, it, it could, might come in through the sorrow and the, you're pushing in the lava, for sure. But it's not just lava, right? It, it's also the, it coming in through the play and the fun. When, when there's nothing to, quote unquote, accomplish, Right, a guitar strum is not about accomplishing a song that wins a, you know, an award. It's a guitar strum. That's all right. it is. Yeah, play is not about productivity, no. and I think productivity. Is, we're under so much pressure right now to be productive. Right, everyone's like, well, as a writer, you know, this is a great time for you. Right, you know, you're just home. You know, you can you can write. It's like, uh, it's like we're always home. We're always home, like this is... and this is harder somehow. But yeah, the pressure to be productive, to create when uh, sometimes you just yeah you need to play, and the and... play will. I'm just telling you all productive freaks that like me. Yeah, it will. I'm talking to myself right now. It <laughs> will Pep create talk. productivity eventually because yeah. it, you have to do it to get there. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, trust us, between lava and play is when you're going to get the super special, unique yes. 
thing to go out into the world that will get you noticed. And that, and this play, this is writing, right? I saw someone, I don't know if it was on the Facebook page or someone else ask like, how much time does it take to actually write a script, not counting the other stuff? And it's like, but all the other stuff, right? The, the cards, the daydreaming, the talking to your friend about it, staring at the wall, not writing and allowing yourself to go do something else that feeds your soul, right? Like watching a TV show you love, you know, it used to be going to concerts for me, right. <laughs> you know, like that's all writing, living your life, you know, um, you know, there used to be so much other, more of it going out in the world and watching right. people and, but um, it's all but I writing. Do think, I do think, you know, when I get locked down, it's important for me to go, if, especially if I'm really now even having trouble playing in the writing, it's important to go play some other way. Uh, and mm -hmm. you can think about, okay, what did you love to do as a kid? I know this is going to, okay, here we go, mm -hmm. vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. sometimes I put together Legos because I, I don't have to worry about it, quote, unquote, being right or and there's directions, but or I just freeform Legos. Like it's just fun or some people like puzzles or, you know, seriously, go hopscotch, go, go, go listen to music really loud, go rollerblading, you know, whatever you did as a kid that you just got into that timelessness. You know, and I think get into your body. You know, we're all so much up in our heads right now in terms of the media and and all the fears and the COVID. I think we got to get play really wants to be in your body. Um, again, it doesn't have to be sports. It could be just, you know, a pen or a pencil on paper, you know, doing a puzzle or Sudoku. I don't care what it is. Like, I also think go take a class in which you're gonna, you know you're going to be bad and that's the, the, the object is just to be bad at it. Like I told you guys I'm taking this painting sewing class, which is ridiculous and, uh, and <laughs> wonderful and, and, and goofy. Um, you know, so there was a mask making class for um for for halloween you know I, you know because again because of covid the eagle rock art center gives great classes and mm -hmm. you can all from all over the world you can join right so i would highly yeah. recommend going there but there's probably local art centers that are zooming right now classes so um you know you know once when i really got locked down in my writing i realized well what i'd always wanted to do was play the cello <laughs> <laughs> This is so funny. So I went and I rented a cello and I took cello classes. And okay, I'm very, very bad at it. And it's ridiculous to play the <laughs> cello at 40 or whatever. But I can remember carrying my cello case into my teacher's house. And I suddenly had this brain shift because I was a person carrying a cello into somebody's house to play it. And I never in a million years saw myself as that. Hmm. And yet I was embodying it. I was doing it. So anything's possible, right? right? It doesn't matter if I'm doing it good or not. I'm enjoying it. It's beautiful. I'm a person carrying a cello case. What the hell? Like, right. I think all of, you got to break up all that. Uh, you can get shut down and into such a narrow idea of yourself. You know what I mean? Yes. And you're not just that narrow idea of yourself. You are so much. And just taking things where you can be bad and not be a beginner. I took a sculpture class once and I threw my tools across the room because I was so mad and I left. And I was like, because I sucked, it was so bad. And the teacher came out and he said, you're frustrated. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm frustrated. <laughs> and I was like, I think I have to quit. I'm like, I'm just really bad at this. And he's like, well, I just need to tell you that everybody's bad when they start. And you know, enjoy the view because you're going around the curve of being a beginner. That's, this mm. is being a beginner. Mm -hmm. experience what it's like to be a beginner and I was like oh right I'm a writer I should probably 
<laughs> remember what it's like to be a beginner. So, you know, That's I just, funny. all of that stuff, I think, feeds back into the writing because it opens you up in different ways, right? For you yes. to feel and be in your life, physically present in your life, so that you can be present in the writing as well. That's really good advice. And I, it comes from, for me, listening to you and uh, this sense of giving yourself permission to, you know, I'm, I know I'm harping on it, but like not be productive, to yeah. do something else, to stop being so busy with everything going on. And for me, it's not physical, but it's reading, like holding a book I love holding and a book. reading. And I can't figure out how to do it because I feel like there's so many other things I should be doing right now. Should right? be. There it is again. There's I that know. word should. But my brain is so busy and I'm always like walking around doing something, solving someone's problems, you know, so desperate to connect with other people in the world, get my, you know, you know, get my connection. But really what I want to do is just spend an hour on my couch with a book. And then I when I do you. get that yeah. book, it, it takes me, it takes me like pages and pages to sink into it, to trust that I have the space and that I'm giving myself permission to do but it. But if you did it every day for just a half hour, so mm -hmm. what I do, because uh, mm -hmm. I got this advice from a friend when I was in that spot, and she, because it was, it's a value to me. Reading is a value to mm -hmm. me. It's important to me. I need it. Yeah. Um, and as a storyteller, I need it. I need to read the stories of the storytellers of the world. Um, and so I committed to every morning having a cup of tea and reading my book for a half an hour, just a half hour. So I got up yeah. 20 minutes earlier, or I didn't. I just went to work 20 minutes later. And uh, <laughs> uh, now my, I can get in very fast because my my body knows that you're coming. Uh, it's it's time, and you're going to get to read. And it's yeah. a habit. And I've read so much, and I it I am fierce about it. Like nothing, nothing. No kid, no nothing. Okay, maybe taking my kid to the doctor, maybe. Like, this is my time because I need it to fill up my tank. Yeah. I am going to burn out if I don't fill up my tank with my own sense of value and what I need, and I need to read stories. And it used to be watching television, and I do do that, but now for me it's reading novels, having yeah. it in my hand physically. So I really recommend, Lauren, if that's a value for you, that yeah. you just... You'll have more to give to other people. You'll have more to yes. connect to your work if you take that little space for yourself. And I think exercise is the same. Honestly, yes. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But taking, I just stretch now every morning for 10 minutes to just get into my body. You know, I'm getting old and creaky. <laughs> um, so I just, all of these things, the play, again, we're going back to you guys and yourself and your being and your soul and we talk a lot about lava, but we're also now talking about the other side of that, which is celebrating you and your beauty and your needs and your wants and what you need and want in the world. And that's going to really come through play and joy. That's the most wonderful way to tap into that. And, you know, the other great way to do it is to have a friend who's full of joy. And that's just their nat Like, I am not a naturally joyful person. <laughs> But like my friend Annie is so just intuitively, naturally, genetically joyful. Like she's downstairs helping my kid today and she showed up in a majorette costume. <laughs> because it's it's the Friday before Halloween. He's a teenager, so he will not dress up. But I walked outside and she was literally parading around my backyard doing her majorette routine. And it just made me laugh. And she just, she's so playful, you know, that it reminds me when I'm around her 
yes, to be playful and, you know, it's the best part of my day. Mm-hmm. So um, being playful also is what you can give back to people if it's, it's a muscle that you can get. So it's going to affect your writing, deeply affect your writing, play in your writing, even if you have to say, okay, for the last 20 minutes of the day, I'm just going to play in the writing. I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm going off outline. I don't even know what I'm writing. I'm just going to write something. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can't do it in the script that you're working on, do it on something else. Try to do it mm-hmm. in the script you're working on, though. Really try because it really will give back and feed back into it somehow. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm talking to myself right now. but <laughs> <laughs> Super quick uh, thought I just wanted to add. We talk about Julia Cameron all the time on this show. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you haven't read her book, The Artist's Way, just pause this and just go read it and then come back and you can resume the podcast. But a lot of what we're talking about is feeding our artists well. Mm, She talks about the idea that we have an empty well that we need to fill with great art and play and fun. And we can't draw from that well unless there's water inside of it. So just remember that, like Lorian said earlier, like when you're playing and, you know, living your life and allowing yourself to consume. Yeah, super important, you guys. Just really important. Because otherwise your writing gets a bit flat and it gets a bit expected and it gets thin. Um, it doesn't have that richness because you're not out living a life. You're not out taking things in um, as an mm-hmm. artist. So, yeah, um, yeah, I love uh, yeah, going to art galleries and all that stuff. But, um, all right, should we do the question of the week? Let's do the question of the week. I will, I will say, like, as you're talking, and this happens, I think, every podcast that you make – hit on something so deeply personal and visceral within me, right? That I'm like, oh God, I have so much work to do. I have so much to learn. Like how passionate you are and how knowledgeable you are and how vulnerable you are. And you know, we've been friends for a long time and I get to talk to you all the time, but like specifically on the show, I always feel like there's something where I feel like where the, I'm like, oh, I'm so sad. I, I, I feel so vulnerable and I have so much work to do, but like excited about I was gonna say, diving that's the into opposite it. of what I'm no, talking no, no. about. No, 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 you're, you're I don't hitting... want you to be sad and have no. to do it. Well, that's how I respond when right. something touches me is this feeling right. of, oh, I'm going to cry because ah. it's either anger or sadness. These are my two emotions. Okay, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, but I just thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I just want to say I, thank you. I, and I want to champion you and your your playfulness and your your right, your right to have that space for yourself. Yeah. Um, and all of you have it. As human beings, you have the right, um, the God-given right, the universe-given right, the human right to take time for yourself um, uh, to fill up that will. You really there, you, there you go again. There you go again. <laughs> All right. And I'm talking about... to myself. Um, okay. Question of the week. Question of the week. So um, Jam and Katie both asked similar questions. So Jam asked, after finishing a screenplay, what is the next step? What's the best way to contact producers? Would it be with a cover letter, an email, or a phone call? Um, and Katie asked about, is it okay and acceptable to submit and have general meetings with the same project to multiple people at the same time? You know, she's worried that's dishonest, or is that just the way it goes? Like she mentioned, she had a script in four different producer managers' hands all at the same time because they all requested it. Um, you know, is that acceptable? So it's really a question about, okay, I've got my script, what next? And can you give it out to multiple people at the same time officially as a submission? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think, Lorian? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, the first thing is, and, and, and Jam mentioned in his question that it was his first script he wrote, which, so I want to say congratulations. Yes, Fantastic. congratulations. Um, you know, of course, I would say, you know, the first thing I have to, out of due diligence and duty, say is you, you're giving out something that you have rewritten many times, right? So when you finish a script for the first time, um, it's so exciting and her. I'm again kudos and then you got to put it away for a couple days and go back and read it and go get notes and rewrite it and rewrite it so if you've rewritten your script five times and I you know what I mean by rewrite people I don't mean noodling around right and you're starting to get feedback from your friends or people that they're really liking it they're talking a lot about the stuff they like right and you're feeling like okay it's time to now officially go to market right so we're saying because you guys are asking about going to producers query letters and all of that, right? So that's a big difference than giving it to people, a friends for notes, right? Now it's going to market. And even when you're a pro, this is a big thing, like to say, okay, to your agent, I have something ready to sell, right? That but when you, but when go it ahead. goes to market, there's, I'm trying to sell this project or I want people to read this so they'll consider me for other projects like it. That's the other way it could go to market, right? Yeah. It's a sample. That's still yes. a market value thing and I just want you guys to be careful in terms of doing that too soon because you can't take it back you know in this world once it's out and it's been emailed somewhere it's out now I've I've known people in the past to trick you know that once they've taken it back and they've rewritten it and then they change the title so that people can't like search it but it's tricky right to to pull something back so try to but if you're really ready and um you know I would say I don't know about query letters and all of that I'm not going to say yes or no I think it's a longer shot. Um, you, you're going to have to have a log line. You're going to have to learn to write a log line. They're very specific. Um, uh, uh, hopefully, you've got to register it with the WGA. Be sure you've registered it. Um, I'm never going to say don't do a query letter, especially, but I don't know how successful that is, especially to agencies. My little trick that I always think is a better tactic is to look and see who produces the movies like your movie. So if your movie is a broad comedy, who is producing those kinds of broad comedies right now today? I don't mean in the past, I mean right now today. Um, you can go look on IMDb, you can go whatever you need to do. Who did the last five good ones? And you're gonna start to see the certain producers. I'd query letter that producer more, I think they're more likely to say I'll read it than an agent or even a manager because they're out looking for product and they like to make the kind of thing that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think query lettering producers is maybe a little bit better. Um, in terms of having it out to multiple producers, managers, agents at the same time, yeah, I mean, honestly, unless you're already a pro who they've asked for a um, submission uh, that is singular, no, everybody knows it's out there. Everybody knows multiple mm -hmm. people are reading it. Mm -hmm. When you say, Lorraine? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, I'm a, it's a, but like if, you're, if your reps have a copy of your script, they're sending it around. Multiple people are reading it. You're going to have multiple meetings about it if they're trying to set it up. So I don't think that's hinky in any way. No, and they're, um, they're assuming it's out to other people. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, again, unless you've told them it's a submission that's only to them, um, the assumption would be lots of people are reading it. I know it's, it's, it's interesting because I think um, as writers, we feel that our creation, because it's come out of nothing, like literally we have created and manifested something 
out of nothing, it feels very special to us, right? Mm -hmm. And it is. I'm saying to you, it is special. You did create it out of nothing. It's amazing. You know, you are a sacred vessel for the universe's stories. Amazing. Now, flip out into the marketplace. Thousands of them. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like fish. It's like minnows. And yes, your minnow could be the minnow that's going to become, you know, the greatest thing and and be Netflix's number one movie or whatever. But when it's in the minnow pool, they don't know that. They just are watching hundreds and thousands of minnows go by, Mm -hmm. right? And yes, they're all looking for the beautiful minnow that they all want, the goldfish. But they have to go through a lot and they've been doing it for years. So they don't hold it as precious as you do, right? Um, So they're not thinking, well, I need this special minnow all to myself because they're literally, your your script is in a cup with like 10 Mm -hmm. other ones this week, this week. Yeah. So um, to me, it's more about getting them to read it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they have so many things going on that people take things, including myself, and then I don't read it because I'm so busy, and then I feel terrible. So what I do is I always immediately say, okay, we're going to talk about it on this day. Um, So again, it's not, it's very exciting when you're on the other side reading and you find something special. It is literally like finding a gold nugget in the water. It's unbelievable. I have so many metaphors going on. But... uh, (laughs) I'm in water. It's all water, at least. It is super exciting when you find something special. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting. And you will get passed around, and people will start reading you, and people will start. It will happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But don't worry about um, pissing people off because you didn't give them something special because they they don't think that they would do that. Um, The dream is multiple producers read it and then fight over it. Yeah. And then there's a bidding war. And then suddenly agents are banging on your door to represent you because they want to get the commission, right? That's the dream. Yeah. If you just give it to one person that, you know. That's not going to happen. happen. Yeah. Right? So um, I hope this uh, answered your questions. If not, Mm -hmm. Facebook page us. Let us know. (laughs) And we'll go again. Send us an email. Another great, like, no connections entry point and... You know, some people advocate for this, some people don't. So Megan, Lori, and I'll be curious to see what you say, but it worked for me, is the Blacklist website. Um, there's, an, there's a uh, creative executive in town named Franklin Leonard. Really, really used to work for DiCaprio. He does a great job highlighting um, important voices and, and especially feature writing. A lot of like Oscar-nominated scripts were Blacklist scripts. Um, long story short, the way the list initially developed was it was a list of the most liked scripts by creative executives that never got made. So, like, 16 producers loved Little Miss Sunshine and advocated for that script, and then it showed up on the blacklist in 2005 or whatever. Now there's a website. You can pay to submit your material and get notes. Um, But what's cool is there's a lot of professionals on that site, and my first meeting I got with a lit manager was because a pilot I wrote that scored well was read by him, and he actually reached out to me, so... Um, it's well, I an think, sure, why not? You know, no you know I mean, I wouldn't, but, um, I'd, be I'd be careful not to, like, to think of that spend your savings on it. But, you know, mm-hmm. be smart and be judicious about what you're putting in and that you've really gotten it as far as you possibly can. Um, and then you're going to get notes because you are, because we all do. Um, so I think, sure, you know, I think there are really good reputable contests that people in the industry are looking mm-hmm. at. Of mm-hmm. course, the academies, Nichols, 
everybody knows that one. I think Screencraft is another great one. I think that the winner of that just got picked up to have his script made. And, you know, the one that's very close to my heart is CineStory, um, C-I-N-E Story. They have TV and feature, and there you're going to literally go on a retreat, uh, hopefully soon back in person soon, soon. but now yeah. right now it's Zoom where you're meeting all the executives and they're reading mm -hmm. it and you're you're literally having panels with them and it's very small. You know, ScreenCraft is very very large. It's you know lots and lots of people, whereas CineStory is um, much smaller um, uh, experience in terms of it's it's a handful of writers doing this. Um, but both are get, good. But yeah. both are great experiences. And I know some writers are using Twitter. Uh, there's a lot of showrunners and producers on there and done well. Um, I think you can reach out to people. Um, you know, I saw somebody was collecting people who were writing scripts, and I saw a logline I, li I liked, and I reached out to the writer, and I read her script. Wow. You know, and I really liked it, and we talked about it, and, and now she's, you know, keeping me updated on what she's doing, which I love. Um, so, you know, there's opportunities to do things in unconventional ways now. Yeah, don't um, think about it like the old-fashioned way of just query yeah. letter, hang out and wait, yeah. you know. And, you know, it's the other thing to think about, and we are going to have bring a manager on to talk to you guys about this in more depth. Um, but, you know, I think people think that agents and managers are going to read your script and then they're going to be like, you're great. Here's your career. We're going to do this, this, this and this. <laughs> and then you're going to be a famous writer. If and, only. Right. I, if I feel only. like they are more um, counsel. Um, and they are more about deal making and they're more about bringing you information about what's happening right now in the industry. But you are still in charge of your career. You hustle. are still the one who has to hustle. You are still the one that has to say, I want to go this direction. I want to write this. What is This is the kind of stuff I want to do. You still have to be the visionary of your career. They mm -hmm. are tools that you get to put in your toolbox to help you get to that. But they are not like your daddy coming to acknowledge you and tell you that you're great and what that you're a princess and now take you off to the castle like that is not what managers and agents are and honestly if that's what they're claiming I would be like pause I would pause <laughs> for a moment because I'm like I that is not maybe real mm. um so you know you're always going to be every every writer I know is a hustler in terms of passionate they have their own beacons they are meeting people you know austin was a great place writers love to meet each other at the austin film festival is a great way to meet you know get into the soup of meeting other writers um that's the best way to do it and i and i know that jam was in london i'm sure there's a whole london-based um soup happening but now with 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 zoom and covid man you can you can meet mm -hmm. us all any any anywhere yep. in the world so yeah yeah um, okay, so thank you all so much for being here with us again. Um, go to the Facebook page, please have a conversation with us. Um, really loved talking to you. So keep giving us feedback, um, let us know what you need, and remember, you are not alone. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash thescreenwritinglife or email us at thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it, and not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. 
We've always been driven by mission and mentorship, and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.